Hi, everyone. Welcome to The Blank Canvas, the arts and education podcast from Lester B. Pearson School Board. This is Frank Caracciolo, artist and arts consultant for Lester B. Pearson School Board. Please join us as we speak with people making a difference in the arts and education community. On our final episode of season two, we welcome back Dr. Cindy Finn, Director General of the Lester B. Pearson School Board. I'd like to give a quick note of thanks to this past season's guests and supporters of the Blank Canvas podcast. Dr. Finn is waiting. Let's get started. Good morning, everyone. I am here with Dr. Cindy Finn, the Director General at Lester B. Pearson School Board. Good morning, Cindy. Good morning, Frank. So great to be with you. It's nice to have you back. This is your third third episode with us, and I'm really uh, really pleased that you come in and spend the time and end our seasons like this. It's really it's really great for us to recap like we did last year. So, how are you doing? Let's just start with like very casual. How are you? I'm doing well, thanks. I'm ending the year on a high note. I think the last couple of months have just brought back some of the traditional celebrations we know as part of the school year. So graduations, concerts, you know, sporting events. It's just wonderful to see people gathering again and getting getting back together and just moving on with their learning and, and you know, really celebrating that we're back in community more than we've been able to be in the last couple of years. Well, you know, like how, because you have a, a broader picture than I would, of course, but how do you think we did as a school board when you, I mean, I have the privilege of working with the other arts consultants from all the school boards. And so we talk all the time about what's going on, but how do, how do you think we fared this year as a school board coming out of the pandemic? I think we coped really, really well. I think, you know, I take my hat off to our teachers and all of our staff and students just for the stamina that they had to have. This year, it was a strange year in that some people say it went by quickly, and yet there were moments that felt so long. And I think that's partly because it was a more unpredictable year. It was more uncertain. If we think back to the beginning of the year, you know, the weather was good, the COVID numbers were low, we sort of felt like things, maybe the worst was behind us. And then, of course, November, December came along and with Omicron and and just a surge. And then we did have a lot of people getting sick. Now, thankfully, because of vaccines and the distancing, I I think people were not severely ill, but we had a high number of people being ill. And that meant, you know, absent teachers, absent students having to sort of re- think that living in a pandemic means, you know, with different waves come different challenges. And so I think the unpredictability was really hard because I think we secretly hoped we were all going to just get back into a normal groove and move forward. And we realized, no, it's going to be a little pivot this way, a little pivot that way. And I think it was exhausting for people. So a lot of people have told me they are proud they made it through the year, but they're tired and that it was a, it was an exhausting year for different reasons. I guess we're learning each year we've sort of had three school years affected by COVID and they've all played out a little differently. And we have to, I guess, be prepared that the future will also bring some new challenges. And, and But I think overall we did well. Uh, we rose to the challenges. And as I say, 
I think we were able to end the year on a high note, given that we could have grads and proms and gatherings and, and just seeing, you know, teachers that I haven't seen in two years, daycare educators, uh, just, just being able to be in, more present in schools was for me very rewarding and challenging. But I, I hear from colleagues that they really appreciated that they, they could do more of the, the joyful things that come with school, not just always worry about health and safety. And I, I had um, a great experience last week because I, I had done a couple of workshops with uh, some of the elementary schools um, doing some art classes with them. And it was just really different to be inside the, the classroom without a mask at some point, you know, uh, when you're speaking up front, you can take your mask off again. And uh, I still was a little bit hesitant, you know, and, but uh, it was really nice to be back. And I, I, I agree with you. It's amazing how resilient people are, and especially the teachers who've gone through so much up and down and changes in rules and regulations. And, you know, and so it's really, I mean, you know, being uh, out there, in the schools, it's really interesting to watch how people rise to the occasion. So I definitely agree with you. What's the, what's the one thing that stands out to you uh, this year? Maybe you've already covered it, I don't know, but what's the one thing that stands out most for you this past year? I think what I realized this year was just how responsive our schools and centers are to the things that are happening in the world. And I saw that first as we started the year, as you know, we were very committed to our EDDI initiatives, to, to really getting the word out there that we want to look at diversity and equity to improve things. And what I saw was the responsiveness of the schools. They really took up that challenge and, and we started to see the fruits of all of those PD sessions and things all the grownups are talking about, but I started to see it through the eyes of the students. And I'm thinking specifically about, you know, for example, uh, at Burling Academy, they did a Black Lives Matter theme and they, you know, did a mural. And they also had an Indigenous uh, elder come and teach them moccasin making. And at BHS, they also did they use their culture in the school's grant to have an Indigenous artist come and paint a mural uh, that spoke about nature and the environmental crisis. And then just last night at our Council of Commissioners meeting, we had some students from St. Anthony's talk about learning about dream catchers and Indigenous traditions. And the thing that ties all of those examples together are that we're using the arts to help our students explore themselves other cultures and how to bridge all of that. And it, it's so powerful to see it being done through the eyes and, and, and actions of our students who understand the importance of, under, of knowing about other cultures, about creating more equitable spaces, about learning through different modalities. It's not just about, yes, we read books and we write essays, but we also learn through doing art and doing projects and being in community. And I see that really starting to show through in our school. So um, maybe I'm more aware, maybe it's always been like that, but I feel we've taken it up a notch. And I certainly, uh, you know, and the tie-in for me is also on technology. I can't be everywhere, but by being connected to schools on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, I'm seeing those products and I'm seeing those projects and I'm seeing people testifying, if you will, to 
the changes that are happening in our schools and centers. So it's a very, very exciting time to see this stuff come to life. Yeah, it's great to see these initiatives happening in the schools. For me, obviously, the making of something has a longer term hold on the student, right? So if you're if you're making a dream catcher in class, and then you might see one just in passing, right? And and then the student would say, you know, I, I made one of those, and then somebody could say, well, what is that? And then they have that they have that understanding, and they explain that. So the for me, the, the arts are always the I call it the express lane to get to get there, you know, like it's just a faster way. Uh, and certain students do do much better at uh, hands on, as we know, uh, making things and creating things and then being able to to talk about that process. So I, I love it that you're saying that it's, of course, supporting the arts is always where I want to be. So it, it's wonderful. I saw a, a very wonderful video that uh that the, the school board created with you starring in it and you, you gave this address to us. And I just wanted to talk a little bit about that. How is that process for you? And do you like doing that, that kind of thing and uh, addressing uh, the whole entire school board that way? I like doing those kinds of things because I do think it's important to give feedback and show our appreciation that we have for our teachers and our support staff and our administrators because they work so hard day in, day out. And I don't think you can ever find enough ways to say thank you. And certainly I, I, I convey that when I meet people in schools, but the video idea is one, our communications department, you know, we started it during COVID just as a way to help people not have to read through so many memos, but people really appreciate those different modalities of communication. And so I'm a little shy by nature, so I don't seek the spotlight and I'm the biggest self-critic going. I watch those videos sometimes and I cringe and I say, oh, I, I don't like the way I sounded or I don't like the way I look, but not about me. It's about giving giving feedback. And, and I think uh, the feedback I get from those folks is they so appreciate that someone took the time um, to, to thank them or to acknowledge them, to encourage them. And I think that's really important in education. It, education is all about relationships. And the primary one, obviously, is teacher and student. But for teachers to be the best they can be, they need a lot of support. And they need consultants like you. They need administrators, their colleagues, their fellow teachers, even parents, to not just focus on what's not working or what didn't go well, but to really encourage and thank and coach and and just say thank you for caring about my my child thank you for caring about the community i'm happy to participate in any process that helps people feel validated for the work they do and especially at this time of year when people are tired and they they've had a long nine months and they're looking forward to some vacation so we thought it might be just a nice way to say thank you in a very personable sort of friendly way and wish them well and see you all again in August type of thing. So it was a pleasure to do. Well, it was great. I, I enjoyed it very much as well. You know, um, ESD recently had new teacher workshops. We ended, but we had that throughout the year. And I thought it was very successful, that whole initiative of bringing in new teachers and having many workshops in different areas and, and just helping and assisting and supporting them. You know, I had the when, when, when just to go back to what you were just saying, you know, I had the uh, after a new teacher workshop, a, a teacher asked me to come and do a drawing class. And I, I had done that at uh, Wilder Penfield Elementary. And 
Uh, I was in awe of the teacher who's a new teacher who her, her name is Vanessa. And she was like, each kid came in and hugged her and, and they were addressing her. And I felt like she was like part of their family. I'm like, and it was just an amazing, you know, after not being able to do these things with the mask and everything, the kids were so responsive to her and the school and the staff there. And so it was really interesting to watch a new teacher who had overcome so much in, in their first year of teaching. And uh, in the end, I was just like really warmed by, by what I was seeing her doing in her class with those students. So personal, you know. And so with that, do you have a message? I know you did it on your um on your video, but for us here on the podcast, is there is there a new new teacher message for new new people that are just joining Lester B. Pearson School Board and also those teachers? Do you have a word for them? Yeah, I used to do a lot of work with new teachers uh, in my time in student services, as well as for a while I was teaching a little bit part-time at Concordia and McGill. And and the thing that I always wanted new teachers to understand is you've had a great foundation, you've had great initial teacher training, but there's so much more to be learned in the job, on the job, and to not be discouraged by that challenge because nobody starts a profession in perfect mode. You have to learn with experience, learn through trial and error, and although you've had a great university formation and some stages, you, you have to try things out and you have to find your authentic voice. So you have to discover what kind of a learner you are and how the kids respond to you and use the assets you have and the strengths you have and to not get discouraged because a lot of first year teachers tell me that it's a lot harder than they thought because they've been studying for three or four years and shouldn't they just go out and have it all together and and of course, no, you've got you've to try things out. You've got to teach different grade levels, work with different resources, confront different realities. Maybe, you know, you're in a socially disadvantaged neighborhood or a school that has, you know, a lot of different traditions than you're used to. And so you have to be, you have to always be in learner mode as a new teacher. That's really important. But all the way through your career, you just have to be open to learning new things and that it's good to have colleagues you can reach out to, to say, I'm struggling with this, I need a little bit of help. And of course, my background is mostly in the special needs area. So I used to hear from new teachers that, you know, they weren't quite sure how to write an IEP or implement an IEP or what strategy would work best for that student. And and my message was always, you're a part of a team. Rely on your teammates, the people who do know that child or the people who do have some experience in that area and, and there's no shame. In fact, that's part of your growth experiences to learn and be mentored and coached. And then hopefully you pass that kindness on as you gain more experience. So the other thing I also tell our new teachers is just to reassure them that they have chosen the absolute best profession in the world. There is nothing more rewarding than helping someone learn something new and see the satisfaction that can come even from a lot of struggle and challenge, but when they get it, they get it. And you just feel so energized and so gratified that you are a part of that student's learning journey. So I, I always say to people, I know I'm terribly biased because it's the only career environment I've been swimming in for almost 30 years, but I do think it's the best place to be. I think schools are little microcosms of society and yet we have so much power and influence to do good that we can help 
make the world a better place and help students learn and help our colleagues grow. And so I always say to new teachers, don't abandon too soon because you probably need a few years of struggle before you kind of get to that place on the mountain where you can kind of look out and say, yeah, I'm doing good things. But if you only focus on the climb at the beginning, you'll get discouraged because it's a hard profession. Working with people is hard work, but it is so rewarding when you start to see, you know, some of the results come through and, and the learning that happens. It's, it's magical. I, I use the word a lot that in education, we're, we're doing magic every day. And I don't mean that flippantly. It's just, you know, the energy that comes from one or two or however many people are together and they put their head together and they work in service of a family or a child and wow, amazing things happen. It's transformative. Yeah. And I think that's the draw, right? That's the initial draw. And then you realize all this work and these, these different situations, like you said, but they do um, like, it's funny uh, to, to work as a consultant. And then you, I mean, for me, I had the good fortune of having somebody come into a classroom when I was teaching, I was very young and teaching. And I think that that really helped me a lot with what I'm doing now, because there was such a freedom and uh, support that was given. And that was that that was what I needed as a, as a young teacher. And so we can do that for teachers as they come in, which is what that uh, new teacher initiative was this year. So I hope we get to do more of that in the, in the future. And yeah. so, uh, of course, Cindy, it, it would be I'd have to ask you the most challenging part of, of this year. I mean, obviously the shutdowns and changes and all that, but, but for you, like looking back, what would be the most challenging part of the school year for you? Well, I think what really rang true for me this year was the degree of loss that everyone has lived on some level. And I think I know this intellectually from my training that When you're in crisis mode, you're just trying to cope to survive. But as things stabilize, then you can kind of take stock. And I think this year we were able to start to to kind of get our bearings. And we realized that with every change and deviation from what we normally would have expected or what the school year normally brings, there was a degree of loss there. So you know, it's, it's always the, when you're celebrating and things are joyful, there's always that flip side of the coin, which is that shadow of, well, what didn't happen or what couldn't be. And so, so for this year, it was wonderful this June to be going to graduations, but more than one person said to me, you know, I'm really sad that the classes of 2020 and 2021 didn't get that moment. They didn't get a ball or they didn't get to do track and field. And, and so you know, it's bittersweet. And I think the loss aspect really came home and realized that we knew this, that people were living this pandemic differently, but we start to see the impact of that and and people's health failing in other ways, maybe not COVID related, but just the stress or other illnesses, or, you know, tragically, we lost a student this year. And that was really, really tough, just trying to understand the losses and and then, you know, from February on, we're, we're again very mindful that although the world's a big place, the planet is actually quite small. And so seeing, you know, wars going on in Ukraine and Russia and trying to understand, like, how can humans be so kind and loving in some contexts and then in others we're cruel and, and insensitive and, and, and that played out close to home as well as on the world stage. So I think for me, I did a lot of reflecting about loss and 
growth and and just the difficulty that the adults were having and trying to keep it all you know going for the sake of the students but everybody was struggling and and hearing people talk more openly about the struggle um you know at the beginning of covid it was rainbows and this and we'll get through this and we needed to do that at the beginning to face the uncertainty but as the reality and the and the fatigue set in it was it was also okay to say you know what this is hard and it was we needed to find ways to support each other that surprised me because as i say i think we thought we were coming out of it into a little bit of a return to the normal and realized mm, the landscape's changed we're not even if we resume certain activities they're going to be done in a different way because we're changed we see things in a different way so I would say that was probably my hardest uh, part of the year was just coming to terms with that degree of loss. Yeah, there was a lot. And, uh, you know, we can go on and on about that uh, with the pandemic and with personal stuff. And and then you have to think, too, right, right, your teachers are also dealing with those things you mentioned, war in Ukraine, the pandemic, how it affected their personal family life, uh, whether it just be a simple, and I don't say simple, but like dropping your student, uh, your child off at school, and now you can't because of this is closed, or they're sick, or, you know, so we, I, like that word resilience always comes up, I think it's, uh, and your reflection about, about the loss, I think we go inward, right? you go inward and you try to figure out um, how we're going to do this next, you know, like what's, what's happening, which, you know, and as I always say, like for me, it's, it's always making uh, art and uh, reflecting that way for me personally. And I also like to, to support the other arts teachers and, and students with that, which, which brings me to my next thought of how did you think that the arts brought us back to the the new normal and the new normal, of course, is not what it was in the past, but, you know, uh, I was at uh, PCHS, did an, a wonderful play that I was a big part of there with Laurie Brown directing, um, you know, Here Comes the Sun. And that was just a wonderful, uh, in- inclusive production. And the, the administration was right there supporting. And it was a wonderful thing for me to watch because that was, for me, the first one that I really attended where they were back. But, but how do you see the arts uh, getting us back on track? Well, I think the arts are so important in education at the best of times. But I think when we're in these difficult moments, to me, you need all the vehicles and tools for self-expression that you can find. And to me, that's the power of the arts, that there's, it's an outlet for creativity and it works both ways. It's, it's not only the artist that can then process how they're feeling or try to share what's in their heart, but by creating something that makes you look at the world differently or touches you on some level, it also evokes a response in the person who's watching that play or reading that poetry, listening to the music. And you, you realize like the power that people have, you know, and art is that modality. So I think, you know, we, we, we knew during the pandemic when we were in shutdown mode, a lot of people, you know, went to, um, you know, listening to music or creating music or using digital ways of connecting. And that will always stay and that will always be important. But as things resumed in schools, like seeing pictures and, and hearing about 
artists coming into the schools to do a mural or an elder coming in to teach moccasin making or um, students being able to write a book of poetry and present it like that people, that person connection came back. And to me, that's what's going to help us get through. So it's not just the products of the art, but it's the process. And I think that's so important that, that people are so fundamental to arts education. It's, you know, the artists are people and, and they share what they see and how they see. And there's a beautiful display here at head office. So I'll describe it for our listeners. You know about it, Frank, because you, you put it up, but you know, when you walk out in from my office area and you go down the hall, there's a beautiful wall of sunflowers and it's all art done by students and it's their view of sunflowers. And so there's little ones and big ones and bright orange ones and pale yellow ones. But the theme is sunflowers. And I know it was inspired by Ukraine and the symbol of sunflowers. And, and so when I walk down that hall, I always smile no matter what kind of a day I'm having because seeing yellow and blue sunflowers and blue sky and you just can't help but smile. And that's what arts, you know, that's what the arts do for us. They uplift us or they make us, you know, reflect in a sad way or in a meaningful way, but it doesn't matter. It touches us on an emotional level. And it's so powerful. I could read tons of books about, and I could, I've stopped reading the news about, I don't want to know more about the sad things going on, you know, in places around the world, but I do want to think about the people of Ukraine. And when I walk down the hall and see those sunflowers, that's what that art that's how that art inspires me to have a thoughtful moment. So it's, it's that power of art to change our thinking and intrude into our awareness and change our emotions, whether it be to bring us up or down, that's okay. It's part of the human experience. So uh, I, I think there's such power in, uh, in what, you know, we can inspire our students to do. So I think, I think it's going to be tremendously important Um just in a general sense that we keep attending to that. And then for those students who've had particularly difficult experiences, I I do believe the arts are a therapeutic medium, whether that be dance or, you know, getting your hands dirty and finger paint or, or just uh, writing poetry. I think it's how you process pain. And and I think for our students who have had a lot of trauma, um, that is also a therapeutic tool for them. And, and so I, I think it's all going to be very, very important as we move forward to keep that uh, front and center as as we recover. And I do think it will be a multi-year recovery. I believe those, you know, things I the things I read in the media about, you know, it took two and a half years and we're probably going to need a couple more years to really make sense of it all. And and now we see other things happening in the world. So we just need to keep the, the arts front and center to help us deal with our human experience. Well, I hope to keep it going. And then, you know, it's great. And thank you so much for that. That's, uh, that's such a heartfelt answer. And I appreciate it very much. It, and it does. And those sunflowers, you know, I always think that that student who's making that might not understand the concept of what's happening with, you know, I was going to say, you know, I don't even want to say the word war, actually, but, you know, like they, they might not understand that concept or might not see that, you know, and but we see it. So their, their piece really, like you said, touches you, it touches people, and it makes you realize that there's a connectivity 
um, from a student and maybe in the West Island who's creating art to per people on the other side of the planet who are going through such a crisis and, uh, and despair. So that's really a powerful, powerful part of, uh, of the arts. So with that, let's, let's move on just really because we only have a, a couple more questions for you today. And I know uh, we're, we're busy and we got so much to do to end this year. But um, what about you? Like personally, like um, what's up for you in the arts this coming year? I know the Jazz Fest is starting up this week and uh, <laughs> so I know where I'm headed. But, but for you, like uh, are there plans or, or arts things that you do outside of the school board? I really love musical theater and uh, music in general. So I don't have any specific plans, but I know in the summertime here, there are lots of opportunities, whether that's like a local, you know, show being put on by the, the library, or there's like you say, jazz fest or big, big organized events. So I just try to take advantage of, uh, of what's available. And I'm very fortunate that I'm going to be traveling a little bit in the next few weeks and uh, I know I'll be going to the Maritimes and hearing some really good Maritime uh, fiddling music. And uh, I do have a trip planned to Washington, D.C. And, and I try to make it a goal when I go to D.C. Uh, I, I tend to go there about once a year and I try to take in as many uh, museums as I can. And uh, I'm... Uh, I'm sort of looking at what my options are, but uh, I the other day I was on the website for the uh, American um, Museum of African American Art, and so I may end up there this summer and trying to just broaden my knowledge and and uh, visiting the Smithsonian's are just amazing because everything's free in Washington and uh, there's so much culture and different, different things to learn. So I'm hoping I'm going to get into some museums and uh, take in some concerts and uh, just really take advantage of uh, the fact that we're, we're in a good place right now in terms of what's open to the public and things are coming back with a lot of zest and energy. And so I'm going to ride that wave and hopefully be entertained a little bit this summer and, and uh, experience as much of the art world as I can. That sounds great. And, and that, uh, you know, that brings me into your wellness, right? Cause you're part of the wellness committee and uh, obviously that's a big part of it, like getting out there, seeing things, experiencing things, but um, how do you think wellness? And Cause I know we, there's all these like initiatives and programs. And I know that for, for people listening, like, you, you, there's yoga that's offered and there's classes online that are offered. And then there's like, there's even a wellness um, app where you can check in and see how you're doing mentally, physically. Um, and then it gives you kind of a rating and then you could, you could aid yourself actually and find resources if you, if you, you so desire to do that. But for, but for you, you're a big part of the wellness committee. And uh, I just wanted to hear a little bit about that. Maybe you could share about your work with the wellness committee and, and what you're looking at for our members at Lester B. Yeah, I, I have been on the wellness committee for a number of years now. And, and uh, we certainly are trying to promote all of the tools that we try to make available through the school board. We do have a really good employee assistance program and that app you're referring to is part of that offer of service so that people can sort of check in. And I think the key for the wellness piece is we all know it's important but we all get to it in different ways. And I think 
For some people, that will be the relaxation part, yoga, meditation. For others, it's getting more active and running and walking and, and swimming. And, and summertime is such a great time for everybody to be focused on wellness because we typically slow down a bit in education. We have vacation time. And so it's a good time to build some of those habits because you need those to continue once you come back and once that day-to-day grind picks up and, and once all of that, you know, high level stress comes back on your plate, you have to still make time for the wellness. So creating some new routines in the summer, whether it's eating differently, cooking, and we've tried, as you referenced this year, to give people options to go to workshops virtually, to download that app, to hopefully now that conferences are restarting in person again, to have people go to conferences and learn different ways of attending to their wellness. And I think in our wellness committee this year, we we talked about a lot of issues, but one of the biggest issues we talked about was managing that work-life balance and seeking it and and maybe even setting that as a goal, not being realistic because you're always going to have stress in life. Um, So it's not realistic to think you're going to eliminate stress, but how, what can you actively do to make sure you pay as much attention to yourself, uh, your physical health, your mental health, as you do for the health of other people. And I think, I think that's going to be the increasing challenge for us. Uh, we talked a lot about how to manage technology demands and just because, you know, necessity because of the pandemic, the necessity was we had to be plugged in 24 seven because we needed to know in the press conference, what the latest change was, or we needed to get, you know, read our emails to see what the latest public health directive was going to be. And those are going to always continue to be important, but we also have to find a balance. And and I practice that myself on a daily basis. It's not easy, but unplugging from watching and reading news, unplugging from going to places that just cause you distress, um, finding, you know, places to be calm and, and just, be without having an agenda, like just relaxation for relaxation's sake. And so I, we talked a lot about how do we balance the technology that if we let it, it will intrude, it will always be there, but we have to master it. We have to decide when we're going to have our notifiers on and when we're going to turn the phone off and when are we going to check the emails or the websites, because you can go down that rabbit hole and spend all day in a virtual world, but the brain needs to rest and, and you need to do some different things. So we talked a lot about that in our wellness committee. And again, trying to promote some different ways for people to tap into their own wellness and what restores them, you know, that saying, of you know, you have to refill your bucket, but everybody's got different things that refill their buckets. So for some people, it will be dancing and painting and, and reading and writing and all those creative outlets. And for other people, it will be consuming those things. So, you know, we all have to find our own path uh, to our wellness. Well, I got to thank you very much for for taking the time today. As we conclude, I wanted to uh, thank you for the support for the podcast throughout the the two seasons that we've had. I'm hoping that we come back for a third season. I'm looking forward to that. I already have a lot of teachers I've spoken to that are are up for the challenge of coming on with me and and discussing their projects and good things that are happening. The podcast was born out of 
the pandemic. And so, like you say, it's one of those good things and people do uh, reflect back and give me some feedback and it's been wonderful. But I think it's really important, like your video message that we received, continue to share and it's, it's just been wonderful. But I can't thank you enough again for your time and your, your support. It's always wonderful to talk to you, Cindy. I always value the time we get to spend together, Frank. Such rich conversations. And uh, thank you for giving me some time to air some of my thoughts and feelings as we wrap up this school year. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the summer like you are. Everybody, Dr. Cindy Finn, Director General, Lester B. Pearson School Board. Thanks again, Cindy. My pleasure. Happy summer. This podcast made possible by the Educational Service Department at Lester B. Pearson School Board. Please find the blank canvas on Apple Music and Spotify and wherever else you download your podcast. Thanks for listening. Have a great day.